Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission, and we are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word, and that, through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. Hallelujah, 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 we love you Jesus, we love you Jesus, I know, I know that it's easy to prophesy when everything's going good, you know, It's not hard to prophesy you're going to get a better car when you already got a good car. It's not hard to prophesy healing when you're healthy. And certainly look in our our world today. um, I think a lot of the prophets are mute. I don't think they're doing so much prophesying right now because uncertainty seems all around us. But I feel like I... I feel like I have a prophetic word for the church, not just here, but globally. And um, I just, I'm honored to be here. What a great crowd that you made your decision to come to be in the presence of God today. Amen. Amen. It should be applauded. It should be applauded. We're glad you're here. And let me just say, there needs to be a refreshing of anticipation. You, you just never know who's going to get out of that wheelchair, whose cancer is going to leave their body. Hello? Whose brain tumor is going to disappear. You never know. You never know who's going to change their mind about the life they've been living. You never know who's going to make that decision for Jesus Christ today in the next moment. And there needs to be a fresh anticipation. Um, If you came to hear uh, the preacher, well, he's on vacation. He's, he's, he's refreshing, and I'm grateful that he is. I'm thankful. He's my son, and I need him to be at his best. Our world needs him to be at his best. And, um, and trust me, I'm not the preacher he is. It's okay. I, I don't necessarily claim to be a good preacher, but I do feel like the Spirit of God has an objective, a purpose today, and by God's will, God will speak through this vessel of clay into somebody's life and make a difference. Amen. I, my wife may be watching now, not that we do every week, we have a lot going on, but um, I just want to say And I would say it even if she wasn't watching. Thank you for all of your prayers. Uh, Four weeks ago, she fell on a Monday morning and uh, broke her leg in three places. And they have put two metal plates and 16 screws in her leg and told her it'll be at least another four weeks before she can put any weight on it and uh, probably... Uh, eight weeks more before she actually starts uh, mobility, you know. Uh, but we were thinking, because she fell down the steps in the garage, and and it would have been so easy for her to have hit her head, and it could have been much worse. 
Um, we are thankful that God protected her. And we're thankful for the prayers of God's people because even the other day when we returned to the doctor and he looked, he said, it's healing quicker than I thought it would. And we're grateful for that. We're thankful. And uh, my, it's so, so good to see such a great crowd. And I know you can't, I couldn't tell if you're smiling or not, but in my mind, every one of you just smiling, happy to be here, excited. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to let you return to your seats, and, and then I'm going to do my best. Maddie, good to see you. Why? Yes. And, and everybody else, too, but Maddie. <laughs> but, um. Or if you'll open your heart, if, if I can just convince you to believe this book, the Word, that it is indeed the Word of God, if I can convince you to believe, according to the book itself, all things become possible. Everything becomes possible. So I'm going to take the next three hours Nah, I just say that every time. I'm really only good for about two. But but I want to do my best to convince you. I some folks I, I've not seen before. I'm I'm glad to meet you. I saw some on my way in. I'm glad you're here. And um others, it's good to see you again. And I'm thankful. I very am I really am very thankful to be here today, to be in church. Oh, my Lord. That ought to do something to us, you know. Hey, my Lord, you just don't know what he's going to do next. So I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the book of Exodus. And don't go too far, Maddie. All right. We might stop in the middle and worship a while. and Somebody might get healed. Somebody might get delivered. You know, I'm going to read the text from Exodus chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen... Now, I want you to notice this. These next two verses are important for what I want to try and communicate to you today. He said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. All the ites. All right, the ites were already there. And the ites were the adversaries of God's people. But God said, and actually, I was going to have you read from Genesis. Uh, you can be seated. I was going to have you read from Genesis chapter 15, verses 13 to 15, where God was speaking to Abram. And if you'll notice, his name is still Abram. That means he has not yet had that life-changing experience. He's still Abram who dwelt in a land of idolatry, who worshipped many gods. His father was an idolater. Abram has a conversation with a God that he was just beginning to know. And God tells him. Now, in this conversation there, God tells him. He said, my people, your descendants, they're going to end up in a, in a land that's not their land. And they are going to be there 
400 years. Now, this is a prophecy concerning the text from which we read in Exodus. I, I use that because I want you to know there's nothing that surprises God. God knew today was coming before today God here. God knew what was going to happen in the world. We are surprised, but not God. We may be uncertain, but not God. God's very confident about tomorrow. And God is confident about his people. God is confident about you, and he's confident about your future. His plans, he said to Jeremiah, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, Jeremiah. They're not evil, but they're to do good. Hello? I'm, now, I'm telling, I'm telling you, God wants to speak into somebody's life who you're here today, but last night you were depressed. And all week long with everything, all the voices that are just, uh, I, they, they are coming from so many areas, these voices, but God is speaking a more sure word. And God wants to speak to you. Now, I'm just a man. But the vessel that God can speak through today to encourage you to know God's still got it all under control. God's got it all worked out. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to us today. It's not an unfamiliar uh, thought with us Pentecostals. And if you're new to Pentecost... We're a strange group of folks. Even the Bible said we are a peculiar people. Hello, we're peculiar. It means we're a little different, right? And we don't deny it. We are. Maybe on a day when, when in our world, according to the world's thoughts, we should be talking about social issues and things that are going on in our world. But God doesn't want the preacher to take the time to talk about what's going on today. He wants us to lift up our eyes and look on the fields and know that with God, there is a bright future. Yes, yeah. It's going to get better. I, you know, I'm so tired of your people saying it's going to get worse. Hello? It's not going to get worse for the church. It's going to get better. More people are going to get saved. Somebody's going to get healed. Somebody's going to get delivered. Jesus is going to show up. You don't need me to depress you. You could do that well enough on your own. So, I... I've thought this has been my theme even with the D.C. church, which we don't own a building, so we don't have a building, and it's been on lockdown, and as you know, they've even, you know, like tightened it down a little more, right? But we're meeting, another church opened up their doors to us, and so we're meeting every week now, and... Uh, And so I'll be honest with you, I've been preaching every week on revival. And, and that's what I'm going to preach to you today. I'm going to preach about revival. I, you know, preaching is, according to the Bible, preaching is not just me uh, shouting or uh, speaking to you. It's not a lecture. Hello? Preaching, the Bible says that the world would call it foolishness, but God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Because three things happen when a preacher preaches. Now, it takes more than just the preacher having a, a message. It takes the anointing of God to make the message come alive. It takes the anointing of God to break the chains and set the captives free. You can't even change on your own. When I was on drugs, I couldn't change myself. I know y'all thought, man, I knew there was something about that guy. Said, 
But, but let me tell you what Jesus did. Jesus came into my life, and he delivered me by the power of his very presence. Yeah. Come on, Claire. So this revival thing is real, and you've got to have an anticipation, an expectation. Too many folks are quitting, not understanding the best is yet to come. Some folks are copping out when they ought to be hanging in. Somebody ought to say, I don't know what Jesus is going to do today, but I know it's going to be good. I had a young preacher call me this morning. I probably, this is on the Internet. I probably shouldn't do this. But he called me and he said he had been called by someone telling him there was a lady in his church who was committing adultery. What should he do? I said, my brother, do nothing. Don't touch it with a 10-foot pole. I said, because you can't change it anyway. Hello. Where, what a better place for sinners to come than church. Hello? Oh, come on, you sinners. Come on. If you're listening out there, just come on. This is the place you ought to come. I promise you, I couldn't change. My, I had the filthiest, I mean, the say, sailors cuss. Hello? But like Paul, I was chief. <laughs> oh, but when Jesus came, I'll never forget that first day after he filled me with the Spirit. I'll never forget it. About halfway through the day, I realized, man, I ain't cussed all day. I'm telling you what Jesus can do. Now, believe it or not, I'm really trying to get you ready for the message I'm going to preach. There are certain passages in the Bible that are like my favorites. Most of them are found in the book of Acts. Like in Acts chapter 5. When you read in Acts chapter, well, you know, I guess you got to start with 2 before you get to 5, right? <laughs> That's where they received the Spirit and they spoke with other tongues. Somebody had a guy call me up one day. He said, are you one of those churches that believe you have to speak with tongues? I said, what you talking about? I don't have to speak with no tongues. I, I get to. Hello? Anybody here feel that way? When he filled me with his spirit, he didn't make me speak with tongues. He flowed into my spirit, and he caused me to speak in a language that was heavenly. I'm starting to feel a little better now. So, <laughs> Acts 3. Acts 3 is a pretty good one. Acts 3, the disciples, right, they're on their way to prayer. And they meet a guy who's been lame, right, all of his life. Laying there by the gate, beautiful. And as they pass by, he asks alms. You know, he was carrying one of those cardboard signs out by the road. Anybody help me? Hello? Come on, you got to put it in reality. But it was Peter and John, and they looked at him and said, Silver and gold have I none. Sounds like Pentecostals. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the Bible said that they took him by the hand. He stood up. They lifted him up. He started running and dancing and leaping and praising God. And he ran right into the church. Upset those folks in the church. Hello? You just don't know like I know what he's done for me. If you knew what I know, how he set me free. If he did for you what he'd done for me, you'd be running too. Yeah. 
All right, so now we get, I'm moving to Acts 5. I love Acts 5. I'm going to tell you, it's called the shadow ministry. Hello? Yo, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Peter, it says that the people, they had seen so many signs and wonders and miracles happen. Listen, this is the church that's just ahead of us. I know, I know it's looking pretty bad. I know what the voices are saying. I know they got churches on lockdown, but I'm going to tell you, you don't lock down God. You ain't going to lock down God. God is still going to do what God has always done because God is always going to be God. So signs, wonders, miracles, devils cast out. And the people said, look, let's get all the sick folks and all the demon-possessed people, and let's just lay them out beside the road. And when Peter walks by and his shadow touches them, they'll be healed and they'll be delivered. Well, it's right there in Acts 5. You can read it. And it says, the last phrase of that, that passage says, and Every one of them was healed and delivered. Every one of them. Just the shadow passing by. Listen, this is not just any church. This is a glorious church. It's not our church. It's not about a building. It's about the God who's living inside of us. So, with all that said, I want to preach to us today about the revival that delivers. You see, revival, this revival was of God. Now, I'm focusing now on the book of Exodus where God had said, my people, my people are going to end up over there with all the ites. I'm, I, but I am going to take them to a land that's not their land. And they're going to become captives in that land. And they're going to be there 400 years. Well, it was 400 years later now where we read our text from. And the scripture tells us that God, first thing God did, this, this is what God, there has to be a man. When I say, I'm not talking about gender. There has to be a person. Hello? There was places in the Bible where there was a woman. There was Deborah. And there was Esther. And they stood between the, the, the annihilation of God's people. Hello? And the enemy. Right? They, they were the go-between. Now, in this case, God needed a man. Now, God was working before the man ever got there. That's what you, you'll wake up one day and realize God was working on you a long time before you ever walked through that door. God, God was working. You see this, this man right here? I remember when this man came, 19-year-old drunk. Hello? Am I right? Yeah, a backslidden Mormon. I'm not even sure what that was, brother. But, but I remember when he came and how God began to work in his life. You don't get to where you are just overnight. It's like the old saying, inch by inch, anything's a cinch. We're going to get there by God working. You don't, don't, don't today look at yourself and say, I could never be there. You've got to say, if God be for me, who can be against me? If God is on my side, I will get back up. Rejoice not against me, oh, my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. I can say to every drug addict, if you'll come to Jesus and just keep coming to Jesus and keep coming to Jesus and don't give up, don't turn around, don't turn back, just keep coming to Jesus, he will deliver you. 
I can say to every alcoholic. I can say to people who they think their marriage is all over. I want you to know if you'll come to the presence of God, just keep coming to God's presence. Call on the name of Jesus again and again and again and again. He'll heal your marriage. He'll heal your body. He'll deliver your soul. Amen. You can be seated. Maybe one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is the story from which I took the text. The book of Exodus. Exodus means to exit. They were going to exit. It was a work of God. They had become slaves in Egypt's land. Egypt in the scripture is a type of the world. The world had swallowed them up. They had not only they weren't only living in Egypt, they had become married to Egypt. They had adopted Egyptian culture as their way of now they were worshiping gods, other gods. And God had to deliver them before they could exit. Now, I just said something that you need to hear closely. You see, sometimes we want it to be instantaneous. I want to be that now. I want to be better now. But it don't work that way. God's got to deliver you from stuff, from culture, from a way of living that it took you a long time to get there. You've been hurt many times. You know, I feel like I really need to talk about this because people don't understand. People's actions are a result of lives that have not only their life but other lives that have been lived around them and, and been a part of their life. They have been abused. They have been hurt. They have been wounded. And every time there is a wound, it opens up a door for spirits other gods is what the scripture, little g, other gods, other spirits to move in. So God chose a man by the name of Moses. And he said, Moses, I'm going to send you to get my people ready to leave Egypt. He said, so the first thing, it took a miracle. Moses, the life of Moses is a complete miracle. There had been a law passed that the little boys would be killed. But his mother put him in a, in a basket down by the edge of the water there. And there Pharaoh's daughter saw that cute little baby. And being the young lady that she was, she couldn't pass up that little baby boy. The Bible said he was a handsome little boy. And she said, I'm going to take him home and raise him as my own. And there happened to be a young lady there who was the little boy's sister. And the, hello, the sister said, do you need somebody to help you to nurse the baby? And she said, I do. Could you find me one? And she went and got his mother. And his mother became his nurse. Hello, And they paid her to do the job that the mother wanted to do anyway. I'm telling you, God is a working where you don't see him working. God's hand, his, God's already got it planned. And so that little boy, he grew up in Pharaoh's house. Forty years. But his mother was always telling him, now, little Moses, don't you ever forget, you're not an Egyptian. Hello, apostolics. You may be in the world, but you're not of the world. Your day may not have come yet, but it's a coming. Your time may not have arrived yet, but your time is coming. God's got a plan for you. God's going to call on you when the time is right. You know, I feel like I need to preach that again because some of us have been wondering if God's ever going to show up because sometimes it looks like evil's winning. I promise you, evil will never triumph over God. Never, never, never. Now, I said this earlier. See, preaching 
it addresses three areas, the spirit world of darkness, the spirit world of angels, and the human spirit. Preaching is more than me just lecturing you. It's when the Holy Ghost comes and takes a word from the Lord. First, it will say to the enemy, just like I said to you, evil will never win. Evil will never triumph. God is speaking right now to a spirit world of darkness that thinks it's going to triumph. I want you to know evil will never triumph. God will win this battle. And the angels... They're standing at his attention, not because of us, but because of the very word of God, which is forever settled in heaven, which is established by God himself, where he said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word will endure forever. It's eternal. The angels are standing at attention while the people of God choose to embrace or reject. Well, you decide today, I'm tired of living in uncertainty. I'm tired of living in fear. I'm tired of feeling like evil's going to win this thing. So you must allow the Word of God to come into your spirit and the Word of God will bring you hope where nothing else can. The Word of God. He, listen, there are so many phrases. You can find this in Psalms. You can find it in Proverbs. You'll find it in the New Testament. Oh, my word. He said that we, he, he gave us the engrafted Word, which is able to save your soul. The psalmist said he sent forth his word to heal them of all of their diseases. You got a sickness in your body? Embrace the word today. Embrace the word today. Come on, Jesus. Speak to me. Speak to me, Jesus. Speak stronger. Speak louder. Speak the word, the living word. He talks about deliverance. Now... There's a difference between healing and miracles. Now, I'm just giving you a little instruction here. Miracles are instantaneous. Healing is a process. And let me tell you, you didn't get hurt so bad one time. You you know, we wonder why. According to the scripture, the end times are going to be a time where people get offended easily. Yeah, yeah. I'm there offended over everything. Hello? I'm not talking about just in the church. I'm talking about in the world. But you know why? It's because they've been hurt, 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 hurt. And the answer, they've got to be healed. Hello? They've got to be healed. You here today, healing didn't, like, yes, he, he delivered me from sin. He, I, I, he washed away my sins by baptism. He filled me with his spirit. I'm here today to tell you he wasn't finished working on me. Oh, he was still working a lot of years. You know, it's a miracle. Some folks that I pastored are saved. Hello? Because hurt people hurt people. It's the truth. Hurt people. It's like, how do you be a parent? Isn't that amazing? You, mama goes to the hospital, gets a baby, brings that baby home. We even know what to do. Hello? There they are, a bundle of, hello. <laughs> We're not even sure, right? Here they are. And, and yet, if we're not careful, because when you're hurt, hello, I'm not trying to hurt anybody today when I tell you this. I'm trying to help you see the only thing that can heal your broken heart is the Word of God, Jesus Christ in the flesh. He can heal your broken heart. He can heal, I, and, and when I say broken, I'm telling you, it's not repairable. Some, some lives are so broken by the time they come to Jesus. Listen, I'm the world we're living in, there are people in this room that I know of who grew up in a home where their parents used to shoot at each other with live ammunition. Hello? 
There are people here who were abused and neglected and cursed and mocked as children. And sometimes we want a miracle. We want an instant, but God is saying, Oh, Egypt, before I can ever take you in the promised land, I've got to deliver you from the gods of Egypt. Before I can ever take you into a place of great provision, before I can ever take you into a place where you can walk in the promises of God, I've got to heal you of all of the hurts that have happened in your life. Now, even in church, we, we're, I want that instant stuff too. Hello. I'm no different than you, you know. I want, come on, I want it, the building filled up now. And God's going, if I fill it up right now, if I fill every seat, you couldn't handle it. Because everybody's broken. And you're wanting them all to be like little saints. And they're all like little devils. <laughs> Don't be mad at me. They got anger issues. Look, I'm not asking anybody. I'm not even trying. I'm not trying to point out fingers at anybody. I'm telling you, I remember a part of my problem was the anger I had. I was angry at my parents. I was angry at God. I was angry at life. Hello? And you can't do good things and live life filled with anger. And so you got to keep coming. You got to keep. Abram, Abram. You know how many altars Abraham built? I believe I got this right. Seven of them. Because seven is the number of completion. That means he built an altar and then he built another altar. And then he built another altar. And then he built another altar. I'm going to tell you, oh, wonderful child of God, you're going to have to build altars, a lot of altars, before you're able to stand upon the promises of God. But as you build those altars, you will witness the miracles of God. Abraham was standing in an altar on Mount Moriah when God told him to put his son, his only son, upon the altar. Oh, but, and, and Abraham, I'm sure he didn't understand. Wait a minute, God, this is the promise. You gave me a promise, and you're telling me to put my promise on the altar? Oh, I'm preaching to somebody right now. God gave you a promise, and you, it's been a long journey, and you've had to climb. I'm a high mountain, and there's been a lot of struggles in your life. But God is saying if you'll bring that promise and put it on the altar, God will do the miraculous. <laughs> Old-time preacher once told me when I was a young man, the most dangerous place to be is in an apostolic church. I've quoted that, never understood what he was saying. But as the years have gone by, I've come to the conclusion that I do understand a little better now that people have been hurt so bad. See, here's the problem. When you're hurt, spirits identify your hurt, and they're able to take advantage of your weakness, of your pain, of your sorrow, of your grief. And spirits lay a hold of you. And I'm going to tell you, you don't run some devil off by just shouting. You don't run some, I, I'm all for praise and worship, and it is part of our warfare. But I'm going to tell you, some of the devils we're wrestling against, it's going to take the God in heaven to stand up against those devils and look them in the eye and rebuke them from our lives. You didn't get that way overnight, and you're not going to get just, I'm telling you, yes, you're going to have to become, continue, continue. You're going to have to continue. You're going to, how many times, said that man comes to the altar every week. Oh, that's a good thing. You better keep coming to the altar. Hello? That's the place where you're going to get healed and get delivered and get saved again, again, and again. So here we are. Israel's in Egypt. The time has come. I could show you several places in the Bible that when the time was right. It's in the book of Daniel. Daniel realized the 70 years was up. And Daniel began to pray. Hello? 
It was time. It was time for the deliverer to come. And so God called the, this guy, this, this, you, you see, Moses wasn't so good, you know. Moses killed a couple of people, murdered a couple of guys. And then he hid it and thought nobody would know. Hello? But when he realized Pharaoh was going to find out, fear took over and he ran for his life. And he lived on the backside of the desert in Midian for 40 years. And the purpose there was he had to learn how to take care of sheep. Because God's got a plan. Some of you don't like that little job you got, but God's got you there for a reason. He's going to teach you how to lead. Hello? And you know what? Sometimes we give up on people way too quick. So I don't know what they're doing all out there. Don't worry. God knows. They're out there learning how to take care of sheep. It's a stinky job. Hello? <laughs> Said, I, I don't think it could ever happen. No, come on. He's God. He could do anything. You've got to have confidence in God. He... He was working on you when you was a child. He was working on you when you was that baby in the bassinet. He was working on you. Hello, Brother Moses. And when Moses saw, now he's passing through the wilderness there. He sees a bush that's burning, but it's not being consumed. And he went over to see the strange sight. And God spoke to him out of the burning bush. And God said, you go tell Pharaoh, I said, let my people go. Now, I was looking for it. You can look this up for yourself later. But there is a verse in that book of Exodus that actually calls that, that encounter the battle of the gods. Or it's a reference to the gods, the gods of Egypt. Every one of the plagues that God sent upon Egypt was one of the gods of Egypt. But this was not a battle between Moses and the gods. This was a battle between the God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, and the gods that were ruling his people's lives. And sometimes we want it to happen quick, but God's going, no, there's going to be a battle that takes place. You're going to see plagues. You're going to see things happen. But God's getting his people ready to get out of here. Well, hello. I hope somebody heard what I just said. I hope you're listening. What's God doing? God's getting ready for the greatest revival the world has ever seen. It's going to culminate with the rapture of the church. You know, I could shout right now. So... When you read the ten plagues and you understand that this is a battle, using my phrase, a battle of the gods. There's some people, listen, only God knows how to deliver you. Just keep coming. You, you may not agree with us. You may not even like us. You just keep coming and sitting here. You just keep coming on in. God knows what he's doing. He knows how to overthrow the gods of Egypt. He knows how to deal with the gods of this world. You and I... We, it's like uh, Paul wrote it, said, we look through a glass darkly. We can't comprehend what's going on. Sometimes us, sometimes we think, God, we think you lost control. And God is like, he, he don't even answer us. Hello? Because he knows what he's doing. There's a war going on. There's a spiritual battle that's going on. We have been given a charge. Our charge is to pray. The church must pray. The church must seek God. You know, I should have started off with what is revival? In one definition of Webster's, he defines it as a series of meetings. That's a revival. I'm going to tell you, you have a series of meetings and have no revival. It's not a series of meetings. A better definition I found is from a concordance, and it means a move of God. Listen, you need to get this in your heart. Every time you come to church, you need to have an anticipation. You don't know when Jesus is going to come and sit down next to you and tell you, it's your time. I've been waiting on you for this moment. 400 years, Israel. I've been waiting till this time. Daniel, I've been waiting for 70 years to pass, but now it's time. 
I think most of us would agree that we are living in the end times. I'm not sure we know what we mean when we say that, but I think we kind of agree. It's certain something is going on that's very unusual. And I'm telling you, God, God is at work. Everybody want to blame some stuff on the devil, and I'm sure he deserves everything you can blame on him. All right. But I'm going to tell you, some things are not the devil. It's God working. God's working. God's working. God's working on his church. I'm telling you, his church, yes, his church is praying more than they prayed, hello, a year ago. COVID has made better prayers out of us. I'm sure that wasn't real thrilling, but it it has made better prayers out of us. And I'll tell you something else. You just don't know. I mean, maybe for you, but for me, I stood over there and wept. No, it wasn't because of something special I saw. It was just to be in church. Oh, my Lord, I get to be here with God's people today. I'm in church today. An appreciation for the presence of God. A thankfulness. Oh, God, how blessed I am to be in your presence. And does it not seem to you, I don't know, but it seems to me like many people in the world have lost their minds. Hello? I remember when Mother Brown used to stand and testify and say, I thank the Lord for waking me up this morning and giving me a right mind. Hello? I'm so thankful I woke up this morning and had the ability to make a discernment between right and wrong, good and evil, that I could decide to come into God's presence. There's a revival coming. I'm just, I'm, they, Maddie, you can get ready to play some. It's not that I'm really finished. But I would rather you receive it than get tired and reject it. There's a revival coming. You know, I don't, I don't have any, uh, I don't have, they're not paying me to say that. As a matter of fact, if you look at all the indicators, it ain't looking like revival. But I'm telling you, God's word is true. A revival is coming. A revival is coming. There's coming a spiritual awakening. Your neighbors and your friends. You know, we've had in D.C., we have had several open doors and and revivals, if you would say. We had a group of Spanish-speaking people. And we had one man come, and he was was, uh, a padrino for a particular gang. But I didn't know that when he came. And he came and God filled him with his spirit and changed his life, delivered him, delivered him from a lot of things. Things I had no idea that were in his life. Oh my, just such evil things. But I had no idea. Let me tell you something. There's no one's gone too far. Just stop that business. There ain't somebody gone too far. He's a big God. I, you know, I think we ought to like do a whirly bird or something over that. Oh! <laughs> they ain't too far. The Bible says the arm of the Lord, has it, has it grown weary or short? Is it too short? I promise you, no, he can reach wherever they are. He can reach you wherever you are. You're going to see backsliders come. You're going to see people who have wandered away from God because they've been hurt. They got hurt by the church. Hello? They got hurt by the preacher. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be mean when I say that. And we didn't even intend to. You don't have to try real hard. People have been hurt in so many ways. But there is coming a healing virtue of God. It's going to flow. And you're going to see that backslider say, you know what, I don't care anymore. I just got to find God. And they're going to come and they're going to run the altars. And they're going to fall on their faces. And they're not here because of you. And they're not here because of me. And they're not here because we got the best music or because we've got the best teaching. They're going to come because their soul is tired of hurting so bad. 
Yes, they are. They're going to come. They're going to come because the Spirit is going to draw them. They're going to wake up in the middle of the nightclub, the bar, the tavern. They're going to wake up from some drunken binge they've been on and say, you know what? I don't have to live like this. My brother's got it better over at dad's house. Hello? I'm going to get up. I'm going to rise and go back. And you're going to see them come, and they're going to come. But they're going to come because the Spirit is drawn. They're tired of hurting. And when they come, people are going to be amazed. I didn't think God could do that. And God's not going to ask your permission. God's not even going to ask your approval. They're going to come. And they're going to look like Egypt. They're going to smell like Egypt. They're going to have act like Egypt. When they come and they find that healing place in Jesus, they're going to go back out there and they're going to go get all their buddies or all their friends, all their ladies. Hello? I'll never forget when Juan told me, no more women. I said, oh, that's good, Juan. That's good. No more women. I thought it meant, you know, more. See, no, no, he, he was, hello, he was their uh, boss. Well, I'm trying to use nice words. You mean God could do that? Oh, yes, God can do that. Oh, God could do so much more than that. Out there, there is someone whose life is wrecked by sin. They're not happy. They would love to be in the presence of God. Oh. And the Spirit's calling. And the Spirit's drawing. And the world doesn't even realize it, but it's waking up. Oh. The world's gone crazy. Mama told me there was going to be days like this. Hello? Grandma, she used to pray for me. Here they come. Here they come. I'm telling you, they're coming. It's going to be not a, a series. It's going to be a move of God. He's going to go to where they are right now, where they're sitting in their mess. Don't, don't look like you're so holy. You know what I mean? Don't, don't think you're, hello, does somebody remember where he found you? I'm not trying to be mean when I tell you that. I'm telling you, God is still in the deliverance business. He will defeat the gods of this world and set the souls free. His word is speaking right now to a world of darkness, and he is telling that spirit world, you will not stop God. You have thrown all of your inventions at God, but you will not stop God. God is God. He's going to touch the heart of that man and that woman, and they're going to get over their fear of you, the church, or me, the church. They're going to get over the fear of being here, and they're going to make their way to an altar, and right in the middle of the preaching, they're going to run and fall on their faces and say, Jesus, save me. And guess what? Jesus is going to save them. We had a group of Sri Lankans. They're like uh, folks from India, right? Their backgrounds, Buddhist. Uh, maybe, uh, and when they come to America, oftentimes they go to Catholic churches because they say there's uh, compatible, right? Whatever. Well, we had a, a door open, I don't know, a few years ago, and we baptized about 30 Buddhists. In the name of Jesus. Don't tell me God can't reach them. God's reaching Buddhists and Hindus and Muslims. God's reaching all colors, red, yellow, black, and white. There is, God is not in this thing of trying to separate us. He said, come on, come on. Come everybody, whosoever will, to the Lord may come. Just come on, get ready. Jesus is coming soon.
Well, this week, one of those little Sri Lankan girls, now, you know, now they're raising their children. When I say in the church, I, I don't even know how to explain that. Because I don't think we should ever forget where we came from. It's really hard to have an appreciative heart if you forget what you were. This little, this little family now, he was Buddhist. Last week, two weeks ago, I had him teach on the power of the name of Jesus. And his Buddhist father and mother came on Zoom to watch him teach. There's a revival. It's fixing to happen. There's a move of God that's going to happen. It's going to reach the Buddhists. Yeah. Well, so she had this little, they now have three little girls. And so on Wednesday, she had this little girl, and they called us Zoom and showed my wife and I the baby, you know. And, and they said, we said, what's her name? What's her name? She said, oh, Pastor, Pastor, we named her Azusa. Now, if you don't, let me just give you a little Pentecost history. hundred years ago, there was a Pentecostal revival that rocked the whole world. Every, every denomination was affected by that revival. It happened on Azusa Street. And that little girl, she heard that story and said, Oh, I'm going to name my baby Azusa. You know, new converts, people are new in the Lord. She didn't think, like she thought, yeah, that's what all Pentecostals do. Name their kids Azusa 1, Azusa 2, Azusa 3. I'm kidding. They thought Peter, James, John. Their kids will all be like one of them is Elijah. The other one is Caleb. And they got a Zechariah on the way. Hello? I'm trying to express. There is a move of God. It's not, it's, it's not way down the road. I can see the signs. The wind is blowing again. I can feel it. There are people here today. I, I you know, my wife and I, we moved here to St. Mary's County like back in the, uh, I was stationed here in 69 and then came here with my wife to start this church in 82. Now look at it. Look at it amazing what God is doing. But listen, it's bigger. It's bigger. Some of you went to Sunday school somewhere and your Sunday school teacher told you the story, that wonderful story of Jesus. And as a child, you heard it. But then your life went another direction. Here you are today and you're wondering, some of you are wondering, can God possibly touch my children? They sure look like they're gone. <laughs> they're not too far from God. Hello? I'm going to say it again. They're not too far from God. So I'm going to bring it to a close with this. I know they're going to sing something, I know. But I wonder if there's somebody who you can witness with me. You've just... You could choose. You could choose to listen to all the negative stuff and say, and it, it, it is it is looking not, not too good out there. Hello? I'm, not, I'm saying that, and that's mild. It's looking pretty bad. But if you choose to look at Jesus, he's looking pretty good right now. Hello? I mean, he's really looking good. And, and is there anybody, can I get, if you're willing just to stand right where you are and say, I witness with you. Pastor, I witness with you. I see God moving. I see him. On my job the other day, somebody said something about God. Somebody I didn't expect. Somebody who's a long way from God, but I heard him over there talking about God. Or, you know, we decided to come today. This is crazy. We really wasn't planning on it, but we just showed up here. What's going on? It's a move of God. He's moving. He's moving. Would you just close your eyes? I want to pray. 
Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without really knowing the exact path it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. So be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait on you.